Well, thank you, worship team. Good morning, Harvest. My name is Jeff. I'm a pastor here. I am so glad that you are here. It is my great privilege to teach the Bible. So would you get your Bibles out and let's go to the book of Jonah. We are going to be in uh, Jonah chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, you'll notice that our ushers are coming around. Uh, you can just uh, get their attention. They would love to give you a Bible because we would love for you to have a copy of that. If you don't own a Bible, uh, consider that a gift. Would you take it with you? Take it home. You can read it this week and then come on back next week. We love to study God's Word together. And we are in our second week now in the book of Jonah. And uh, last week, you only missed, if you, if you missed last week, you only missed like three verses, all right? And, and last week ended on a to-be-continued dot, dot, dot. You, all, you hate that whenever you see that. You're watching a show or you're watching a movie and it ends with to-be-continued. That's the worst, isn't it? When I was a kid and, 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 and a show would end that way, that meant that you had to wait till tomorrow or next week to pick back up where you left off. But now, thanks to Netflix, uh, it just means whenever you see To Be Continued that what's going to happen? You're going to binge watch. That's what's going to happen. Uh, like, honey, I like, hope you weren't planning on that extra 45 minutes of sleep because there's no way we're going to bed right now. We've got to finish this show, right? So we're going to jump right back into it. And just so you get a little bit of a recap uh, previously on Jonah, he's on the run. Jonah is running. Now, I, I, I just like out of curiosity, I, I wonder um, who are our runners in here? Do, do any people like self-identify as a runner? I am a runner. I like, okay, are you all ashamed of that? Like you're, you're I see people like kind of sneaking that in. I'm not going to blast you, okay? Come on, tell us. Uh, do you love to run? How many people? We've got a few. Okay, I'm going to say this with all the love and respect in my heart. I don't get you. I hate running, absolutely hate it. And, and I know, like, every time I talk to a runner, they, they, they describe how incredible the feeling is when, when you're running and you, they, and, and you probably had this conversation with one of them. Uh, they'll, they'll start to tell you, you get to that point where you feel like you're about to die and then you just keep going. It's awesome. Not awesome. I have never once felt awesome while I am running. And I know that people will tell me, it's like, you say you hate running, but if you're being chased, no. Like seriously, if it's that important to you, I'm fine. You're just like, catch me. I don't care. It's not that big of a deal to me. It's not worth it. I hate running. And I wish that I could make a theological argument that running is of the devil, uh, but that's not really what's going on. We know that Jonah is running physically, but really it's much deeper than that, right? He is running spiritually. He's running from God. And, and, and as we saw last week, the book of Jonah, uh, come on, whenever, whenever you uh, think about Jonah, you've, you've heard of Jonah and the what? Is it, is it a whale? Like We went over this, didn't we? It's a big fish. I know I'm being technical here. But it's not about a fish. It's not about a whale. In fact, Jonah's not even about Jonah. Jonah is about our great God. And we're learning something about our God. We're learning that our God is a God who pursues. He is a God who is ever chasing. Praise God for that. And so today, our, uh, the title of our message is this, Hot Pursuit on the high seas. Let's jump into it. Jonah chapter one, if you're there with me, 
starting in verse 4. You follow along with me as I read. Jonah's running, right? Verse 4 says, But the Lord, awesome words. Love that, so thankful for that. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. And then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast the lots and lo and behold, the lot fell on. Yep. And then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? Of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Well, then the men were exceedingly afraid, and they said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. And then they said to him, well, what should we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea and then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men, they rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord. Oh Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O oh Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Father, would you even speak to us in this, in this moment? What an awesome thing that we can worship you. There's no other name. We love to praise your name. And God, we're, we're learning and we're, we're seeing that this story is about you. Would you impress us with your power, with your sovereignty, with your greatness, with your love for us even this morning? And we'll be careful to make sure that we give you all the praise and glory. You're just so worthy of it. We love you. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me just give you a, uh, a couple of warnings here. Here's one. Uh, take note of this. When God is chasing, fleeing is foolish. You know that? When God is chasing, fleeing is foolish. Listen, listen. You can choose to run. You can do that. But you just need to know God is sovereign. Now, that's a big fancy word that just means that God is absolutely in control over everything, right? And he is going to demonstrate this for us. He's going to prove it. He's going to show that God is absolutely in control. Nothing happens that is outside of his sovereignty, and he's going to do it 
by showing you that he is sovereign over his creation. Look, 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 look at what he does in verse four. It says, the Lord, here's Jonah on the run. He's like, really, really, dude? Here, here. So, so God's gonna do something about this. It says, the Lord hurled a great wind. This is just God showing off his power. And, and we get this word picture here, almost like God is literally taking wind and just throwing it onto the sea. And, and because he does that, it says there was a, there was a mighty tempest on the sea. I, I kind of pictured, I know this is going to be super weird, but I just pictured like you had a bowl of cereal and, and you're eating some Cheerios or something. You're about to the end. You, you're, you're almost out, but you've got a whole bowl full of milk. And, and, and probably when you were a kid, you just like go up to your, your brother and sister. I don't know if you ever did this, but, but you just like blow on the milk like as hard as like just, it just, what, what would happen? It would just go everywhere. I know that's crazy, but I hope that you understand this is how big and how powerful our God is over the, the sea. And, and we get a hint of this in verse five. Look at it. It says, then, then the mariners were afraid. Now, here's the deal. They don't know God. They don't know, they don't know God, but they do know sailing. And this is not their first. I'm confident this isn't the first time they've ever gone through a storm. And so you got to think, these guys are professionals. They know what they're doing. They've been through this before. And so it would take a lot for them to get to the point where they're afraid. They are freaking out here. Why? Because there's something crazy about this story. Something weird is going on here. Uh, you, you look at it, it says that they, each of them cried out to his God, meaning they, they're, they're looking at this storm and they're thinking there's like a supernatural explanation for this, something, something really weird. This is like a Stranger Things episode or something. We, we don't know what is happening in this moment. Of course we do, right? We know. God is absolutely sovereign over his creation. In fact, Psalm 89.9 says, uh, Lord, you rule the raging of the sea. And so this storm is not a coincidence. It is not chance. It is really clear God's in charge here. He's just making that clear for everybody. In fact, at one point, uh, verse 13, if you look down to verse 13, uh, this is after Jonah says, all right, guys, just like pick me up and, and, and throw me overboard and then everything's gonna get calm. And they're like, man, we don't, that's, that's, that's crazy talk. We don't wanna do that. And, and so it says, nevertheless, the men, they rode hard to get back to dry land. They're trying hard. We're gonna get back there. We're, we're, we're gonna get out of this, but they couldn't do it. Why? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. God has them cornered where he wants them and they're trying to escape. And he's like, where, where, where do you think you're going? Like, get back, get back in there. I need, you to, I need you to stay there for a little while. I got, a, I got a lesson that I need to teach you. And all he has to do is turn the storm up. It's almost, almost like a shock collar. He's like, no, 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 get, get back in there. I'm in control here. But where's Jonah? Look at verse five. Look down at verse five. Where'd Jonah go? It says, but Jonah had gone, where? He went down. Remember that disobedience always takes you down. Jonah went down into the inner part of the ship and he laid down. What's he doing? He's asleep. Now, now we could speculate as to uh, like some crazy reasons, like what's his motto? Like how in the world is he able to sleep through this one? And, and the fact that he's on the run from the Lord, and, and there's all sorts of, we, we, it's, it's really hard for us to really understand uh, Jonah's motive right here. But watch what happens in verse six. This is interesting to me. It says, so the captain came and he said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Listen to these words. Arise, call out to your God. Now, do you just see the irony there? You've got a pagan sailor who's telling the prophet of God to pray. 
Something wrong with that picture? In fact, uh, these words probably would have been like uh, deja vu for Jonah. This isn't the first time that he's heard those words, arise, call out. If you look up in verse 2, those were the exact words that God had told him when he said, all right, Jonah, it's time, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. And, and so this is, this is God's way of helping him understand, I'm trying to get a hold of your attention. Those were the words that had flipped Jonah's world upside down. And, and as if the storm wasn't enough to get your attention, I'm trying to wake you up here. And, and you, you, you should be so thankful. I was going to bring a, an air horn uh, this morning, and I thought, man, that would have been a fantastic sermon illustration right here, but then we probably would have woken up one of the babies, and the sermon would have been ruined for the rest of the, the day, so I decided against it. You're welcome, but here's what God is trying to say. He's saying, Jonah, wake up. What are you doing? It's time to wake up. Now, some of you just woke up. Glad you're here this morning. Some of you may need to wake up because the Lord is really trying to get your attention, And can I tell you that if you belong to him and you've been running, trying to avoid him, he's coming for you and he will get your attention. And, and, and interesting, look, look again what, what he says here in verse six. He says, perhaps that God will give a, a thought to us that we may not perish. You just got to think in, in, in their world, they, they pray to all sorts of gods. And, and, and it seems like, hey, you're just like, hey, we're all calling out to ours. You just get in on this. Like, well, well here's the, they, the gods don't always pay attention. So we may have to like jump around, wave, flag them down. We've got to get the gods' attention. But he doesn't know the Lord, does he? And see, God is actually trying to get the attention of his prophet, but he's also trying to get the attention of these sailors too. And little does the pagan sailor know that he is about to get a powerful the theological lesson on the sovereignty of God, and, and God is really going to get his heart too. So here's what's going on, verse 7, if you see it. The, the sailors, they're, they're just trying to figure out, like, who's... Who's at fault here? And God's really trying to get Jonah's attention. And so they decide like, hey, we're gonna cast lots to figure out whose fault this is. Now, now we, don't, we don't do this very often. And I know this is kind of weird whenever you read this in the Bible, but lots would almost be like dice. Or um, if you've seen the VeggieTales version of this, they play go fish on the boat. Uh, it's just, it's a process of elimination, okay? We're going around. It, it might have been that they had two rocks. Uh, on one side was painted dark. On the other side was painted light. And, and they'd throw the rocks. And, and if both of them were dark, that meant that's a, that's a no. It's not that guy. And they go to the next guy. That's a no. And oh, that was like a dark and a light. So like throw it again. That's a no. And then God's, one of them is going to get singled out, right? And I'll just let you guess whose that's going to be. Yeah, coincidence, right? No, it's not chance. God is sovereign. And I just, like, I, I just wonder, what is Jonah thinking in that moment? When they're going around the circle, it's like, nope, nope, not him, not him. And it's starting to get a little close. Do you think like he's probably turning red? He's like messing with his collar. It's getting hot in here. He's starting to sweat a little bit because you just got to know God's coming for him. And it's like God's going around the circle. Duck, 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 duck. I'm going to say it. 
Do you ever sense God cornering you in conviction? You ever feel him pressing in, trying to get your attention? Listen, I know that like on Sunday mornings, it's super easy for us to come and like we, we open up God's word and, and, and we start preaching God's word and, and, and it's always fun for us to listen to this and, and we think about other people. And we're, man, I wish like Susie was here. She just really needs to hear this. No, 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 no. God is talking to you right now. There may be moments where the Lord is trying to press in and get a hold of your attention. He, he says in Hebrews chapter 4 that God's word is like a sword, that, that it pierces and it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and God cuts right to our hearts, and that might be you right now. Where, where God starts, to, it's almost like everybody else starts to disappear, and he starts to bring to mind your sin. The things that you've been doing that you know are not pleasing to him. Or, or the things that you haven't been doing that you know he's asked you to do. And, and in those moments, God is he's, he's pressing in, he's moving you to conviction, telling you, I'm talking to you right now. You need to stop running. And this is why we say we don't want to be just a note-taking church. When the Spirit of God is using the Word of God to bring conviction, He's moving in our hearts. We want to respond. If God is moving in your heart and reminding you of some of the things that He's called you to, just know it's so dangerous for us to ignore or to try to squirm out of the conviction uh, of the Lord. And, and I just, this is, this is so awesome. Because God loves us, he won't let us. If you belong to him, he's not going to let you do that. I thought about a time in my life when I just like distinctively felt this pressing in. And I'd been living in sin that I had not been repenting of, and I, I knew it. And I didn't really want to have to deal with it. And I remember going to bed one night. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but as I was laying awake at night trying to go to sleep, it was that moment where, you know, he just pricks your heart a little bit, and those things start coming to mind. And then all of a sudden, it's like a, a weight of guilt and shame. And I just felt the Lord pressing in. But I had a really big day the next day, and I didn't want to have to deal with it. Like I, and, and literally, I remember thinking, if I could just get to sleep, I'll feel like this, this weight that I feel on my chest, it'll be gone. I'll wake up. I'll feel a whole lot better. I just need to get to sleep. I just need to get some rest. Then I'll have some peace. And, and I did. I got to sleep. But apparently God blitzkrieged the castle of my heart while I was sleeping because when I woke up, it was like he had his hand right here on my chest, and it was basically like he's pushing in saying, you're not going anywhere. And I remember like, I, it was like I couldn't even stand up uh, to walk away. Just rolled out of bed right onto the floor. Do you know like God's pressing in. Has this happened to you? If he's moving you to conviction, then we don't want to ignore that. I want to respond. I want to convince you again that it's his love, it's his mercy, it's safe. It's freeing for us. Because when God is chasing, you just have to know he's in control so there's a pretty good chance he's going to catch us. 
which means fleeing is really foolish. Or maybe another way I could say that, in fact, I would like to say it this way. Running is stupid. I want to make that my bumper sticker. Y'all get your like runner girl bumpers. Mine's going to be running is stupid. And I realize that's like the second week in a row that I've used that, that word. Uh, that's kind of a, a no-no word in our house. Uh, my kids will always catch me on that. They're like, daddy, don't say stupid. And I know it's not in the Hebrew, but I'm pretty sure that that is a theme here going on in the story. Because every time you see Jonah, you're like, Man, what are you doing? What are you thinking? And God is pressing in here. Verse 7, it says that the lot fell on Jonah, meaning Jonah, you're guilty and you know it. And so verse 8, they start to press in. They, 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 they bring this interrogation. They're like, all right, bro, you got to tell us what's going on here. This is just crazy what's happening to us. So they, they just start pelting him with these questions on whose account this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation? Where do you come? Where, where, what, what's your country? Of what people are you? In verse 9, look at this. He said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Really, Jonah? You fear? the? You just see there's so much obvious irony going on here, right? He's like, hey guys, hey guys, listen, listen. I know that you're looking around. This storm is absolutely chaos. But listen, I know the God who's in control because he made everything. In fact, he made the sea. So you decided to get in a boat? to run away from him, and all God's people said, stupid, right? It's stupid. And, 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 and then even further than that, what is it? He's saying, I fear the Lord. Does Jonah, does he fear the Lord? No, he's given us absolutely no evidence that that is true in his life. In fact, I want, I want to take this word here. This word in the Hebrew for fear is used four times in the book of Jonah. All of them are used right here in chapter one. But there's really Two kinds of fear, the connotations of this word that are wrapped up in one. The first is what we would call uh, psychological or freak out fear. And you see freak out fear happening in verse five. If you look back in verse five, it says the mariners were afraid. Same word here. That's just an emotional response. They are freaking out because of what they see. That's freak out fear. But the second, and it's I think the sense that he's intending here in verse nine, is what we would uh, consider godly fear or reverence, respect, submission, being in awe. Now that's the sense that Jonah means here, but the irony is he doesn't mean it at all. And what's crazy is that, that even the sailors, the mariners, they get it, but Jonah still doesn't because look at it, verse 10, they're back to freak out fear. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. Why? Because they're like, there's a God like that? And you're running from him? See, see, running is stupid because you become blind to your own hypocrisy. And you may have this growing disconnect between what you say and what you do, and you don't even see it. And I don't want that, I don't want that to be true of my life. That I would say one thing, yeah, I love God, I, I want to obey, I'm a Christian, but in, in my life, not. There's no evidence that that is really true. And there's a growing divide between those things. I want it to be real. I want it to be genuine. I don't want my kids thinking, man, daddy starts talking all different on Sundays in his small group. He doesn't, he, he's not like that at home. Like, we don't want to walk in the doors on Sunday and we suddenly start speaking another language. Like we, we, we put on our Christianese. We, we start saying things like, hey, peace be upon you. 
and, and, and we're going to pray a hedge of protection over you. And, and, and you are loved. And, 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 but, but like if your coworker saw you, they'd be like, man, is this the same dude that was talking bad about the boss on Friday? Like I, this is, there seems to be a disconnect here. We don't want there to be hypocrisy in our life. And as I've said so many times before, you've heard this, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Is it true? Are you living who you say you are? See, Jonah doesn't fear God at all. And he's just foolishly fleeing from him and God's obviously chasing him. But this is, this is where it just gets crazy because he's still choosing to run. Look at, look at what happens in verse 11. So they said to him, well, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? And I, I just got to tell you, this is the moment. This is where Jonah had an opportunity to demonstrate some real repentance. This was the moment where he could have said, you know what, you know what, guys? Can we just turn the ship around? God told me I needed to do this, and I just, I need to go, I need to go back. I need to do what God asked me to do. If God is pressing in, if he's moving, if you sense that conviction of the Lord as he's chasing you, can I just encourage you, now's the time to respond. Now is the time to repent. Say, Lord, I want to do what you want. I want to obey. And that might mean you have to have a conversation before you leave here today. That might be, mean you have something to tell your spouse. We need to deal with this. If God is moving, if he is pressing in, I, I urge you that you would repent and respond to his conviction. But Jonah didn't do that, did he? Look what Jonah says in verse 12. Here's how he responds. Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, and then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Now, now, now like, we're, we're tempted almost to think that, that maybe Jonah's being kind of heroic, you know, sacrificing. Like, I don't, I don't want you guys to go down. I'll just go. It's my fault. And, and, and that, might, that might be there. Obviously, Jonah's resigned. He's got a little bit of like, okay, you got me but he's not repenting. In fact, it's possible that Jonah would rather die than do what God says. Somebody say stupid. It is so foolish that we would choose consequences over the clear commands of Christ. And again, we hear this echo from James McDonald, these words that if you choose to sin, you choose to suffer. If you choose to sin, you choose to suffer. And see, Jonah seems to be playing a game of like, like, like how low can you go? And, and I know it's easy for us to look and just be careful. Don't point the finger. And, and Jonah, man, he's such an idiot. And I know I can be an idiot sometimes, but that dude, he's got some problems. I'm really glad I'm not like that. Careful, careful. We may be rushing past the mirror because the same heart is in us, the same heart problem that we would, when God presses in, when he's trying to get our attention, we try to squirm out of it. We try to ignore it. We try to move away because I don't want to deal with it. And once we've made one choice to sin, it gets a little, little easier the next time and then the next until we can be confronted and know full well the consequences, but we don't care. Because in the moment, we've just convinced ourselves that it's, it's not that big of a deal and it's going to be worth it to me. And then one day we wake up with all this 
pain and this shame and all this guilt and all the consequences for our choices and we're wondering, how in the world did I get here? And, 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 and careful, don't, don't think to yourself like, I, well, I won't let it get that far. I can stop whenever I want. Like, I'm not gonna go, I'm, I'm not gonna get that, just careful. This, this is grace that we could hear this now. You don't have to go down like that. Hey, hey, do you know that you don't have to learn the hard way? You don't have to learn the hard way. God is chasing. If he's moving, then respond now. Don't, don't ignore his conviction. Let the stupidity of Jonah in the Bible be God's way of blowing an air horn to wake you up, uh, putting, up a, putting up a guardrail, putting up a sign that helps you from going over the cliff. Because when God is chasing, fleeing is foolish. And so, note this, when God is chasing men, choose to fear him. I just love this. You gotta watch what happens to the sailors. So, so Jonah tells them, all right, guys, just like throw me up, throw me into the sea and, and everything will stop. And, and they're looking at him like, man, that's, that's, we're not, we, we don't wanna, we don't wanna kill him, right? right? So, 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 so they're trying to get back to land and the storm just grows worse and worse. It's like God's just making it clear This is what I need you to do. And and, and so look at what they do, verse 14. Therefore, they called out to the Lord. No, Jonah's not doing that. They call out to the Lord. You see the irony again? Here's God's prophet, and he's on the run, and yet here are these unbelievers, and they're praying and crying out to the Lord. I just love that God's got their attention now, and, and, and they're drawn to the one true God. And so they pray to him. They say, oh, Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. They, they've got a moral awareness now. They, they don't want to sin against this God. They have been confronted with this God. You don't mess with this God. This is a holy God. And they're looking at the example of Jonah. They're like, man, that's not going so well. And, and, and Jonah may not not be ready to do what God wants, but they are. God, whatever you want, uh, we want to do it. And, and you just have to imagine this, verse 15. So, so they pick up Jonah, and they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. C- can you just like, picture what that would have been like if you were there? Uh, like, like in one minute, there's all this chaos. The wind is screaming in your ears. The boat is creaking like it's about to crack. The rain is like stinging you in the eyes. You're getting pummeled by the waves, and then all of a sudden, just And the sun comes out, you start hearing seagulls, and you can look out for miles over peaceful, glittering sea. And so appropriately then, verse 16, it says, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. That's not freak out fear. That is godly, reverent, submissive fear of the Lord. If you would have seen that, I'm just thinking somebody in the back probably just said, wow. God was in hot pursuit on the high seas and he stepped in and he confronted them in his power and in his sovereignty and they dropped to their knees in awe and in worship. Does God amaze you? When's, when's the last time you were just standing in awe of him? Come on, it's never just another Sunday at Harvest. When we come, we come with the expectation that we are going to meet with the living God. And when his sovereignty is confronted in our lives, it changes us. Uh, look, look, it says they offered a sacrifice, meaning that's probably back on land. 
And remember, they threw all the cargo overboard. So this is kind of sticking with them. And then it says that they made vows. It's not just a one-time deal. They were never the same again. And the choice is the same for you. Are you going to be like Jonah or are you going to be like the sailors? Are you going to be hardened or are you going to be humbled? Are we going to run and try to squirm out of the conviction when God is pressing in, when he's chasing, or are we going to stand in awe of him? So we're going to leave Jonah there because for all these sailors know, he's dead. He's gone. And because of that, Jonah actually now becomes a type of Christ, kind of a a picture, if you will, that's foreshadowing and pointing to what's to come because when they threw Jonah into the sea, it satisfied the wrath of God and those men were saved. Jesus who was not guilty, he took our sin, he took our place, and he was willingly thrown into the storm of God's wrath on the cross. It says it was the will of the Father to crush him, and that moment, God's wrath was satisfied so that we could be saved through our faith in Jesus. Does that amaze you that Jesus has saved you from your sins? And this story actually has... uh, some similarity to another, another boat. In Matthew chapter eight, I want you to see this. Matthew chapter eight, it says, when Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him and behold, there arose a great storm. So we've got a storm just like the one in Jonah on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. So this, this storm's pretty crazy. And, and, and Jesus, what's he doing? He was asleep just like Jonah. And when they went, they woke him and saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. So, so, so the disciples, just like the mariners, they're, they're in freak out fear mode. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Why are you freaking out, O oh, you of little faith? And then Jesus rose, and this is unlike Jonah. He rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. This is the moment that we begin to see Jesus is sovereign. He's the creator, and he is in control. And it says that the men, they marveled saying, what sort of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus is God and everything must obey him. And when you see him like that, the appropriate response is that we would, we would marvel to be amazed, to be in wonder, to be in awe. They just had a, a earth shattering, window rattling, life altering encounter with the creator of the universe. And they know without a doubt that Jesus is jaw droppingly awesome. Do you stand in awe of Jesus? I pray that our hearts are being drawn to see how great, how magnificent he is, that we would actually fear him. And don't let Jesus just become a name that you throw around in songs on Sunday, but it doesn't wreck your heart with awe and with wonder for who he is. And I know we get so distracted. You got, you got your phone. You're, you're thinking about what you got at work. You guys are thinking about what's for lunch. And we've got all sorts of things that kind of distract our attention from remembering that our God is an awesome creator. And he is coming for us because he loves us, because he cares for us. Sometimes we just need to step outside, look around, look up. We need to see what he has created. In fact, uh, the psalmist I love in Psalm 80 says, when I look at the heavens. 
When I look, I step outside and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. When I see your power, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Like, I don't get it. You're that incredible. You are that awesome. And when you see the power of almighty God, and then you see that that God is in hot pursuit of me because he loves me, you stand dumbfounded. He's so awesome that we would lift high the name of Jesus in worship because even at the name of Jesus, it says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Would you stand with me? And we're just going to continue to worship and lift high the name of our Savior. Father, we love you. Thank you for pursuing us. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you are sovereign in control. Thank you that you can get my attention even when I'm so distracted, running after the things of this world, running away from you. You won't let me. Love that. Father, thank you that you have demonstrated your love for us on the cross. Thank you that you sent your son. We lift high the name of Jesus in our worship. There is no other name by which we must be saved. You are the creator of the universe. And we praise you that you are our ever-chasing God. May you get the glory. And it's in Jesus' strong and mighty name we pray. Amen.